Hey everyone, you are listening to Kesara Sara with me, Sarah Ann Malone. I am a teacher candidate studying at the University of Ottawa, sharing my journey into education with the world. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to episode 44, the importance of being a connected educator. Hey everyone, I'm Caroline. I'm a second year uh, teacher candidate at the University of Ottawa. Uh, I'm the host of TC Squared. Um, and I just finished my last practicum, which is super exciting. Uh, today I'm here with Sarah for the one year. Sarah and Malone, here we are celebrating the one year anniversary of Voice Ed Radio. Um, we have a fun build day full of tons of live content. I think Stephen said it's over 15 hours of live radio. So it's yeah, 18. crazy. Can, can so I just interrupt for those you for a second, you ladies? who don't know me, I am Sarah Ann Lalone, a second year University of Ottawa teacher candidate as well. Uh, I'm in the French um, program and in the junior intermediate division. I'm also the community manager for Voice Ed Radio, uh, which basically just means that I'm the one that created all the posters and is putting out all the um, the live tweets for the Radiothon today. So you can follow at Voice Ed Canada to keep up to date with all of those shows going on until midnight tonight. Um, and I am also the host of my show, uh, which is a bilingual podcast called Kesara Sara. So um, I'm super excited to be here with the host of TC Squared, because I think it's your first time on a, a voice ed radiothon, is it? It is, actually. I'm super excited about it. Yeah, so we are here with you guys for the next half hour, speaking about the importance of being a connected educator, and mostly from a teacher candidate's perspective, because we're kind of doing like a teacher candidate takeover voice ed radiothon right now, part two. <laughs> yeah, the first one was yeah. quite large. Oh yeah, that was crazy. And we look forward to doing that again um, in 2018. But today, like I mentioned, we're going to be talking about being a connected educator. And I think the best way to kind of start off the show is defining what is a connected educator. So um, I have had some time to think about this. And as a teacher candidate, um, for me, being a connected educator is looking beyond the four walls of my university. Um, we do a lot of in-class sessions at the university, um, and what we learn there is really, really helpful. Um, however, what I get the most out of being very active on Twitter and on social media and with Voice Ed Radio is so much more rich than anything that I could um, learn in class. And mostly because I am connecting. So being a connected educator is connecting with other educators outside of maybe my city, outside of Ottawa, outside the province, outside of Canada, when I think of even connecting with Brad Schreffler or, or Carol Salva, and it's um, going to them to ask them questions, especially as a teacher candidate. I know that everybody has kind of their own expertise on certain things. So allowing myself to kind of network and open those, those doors, um, to speaking with other educators who have way more knowledge and experience than me has allowed me to feel so much more connected and engaged with this um, kind of Twitter EDU community. So um, 
that's kind of where I, where I, where I'm at right now with myself as a connected educator. And I think you said it perfectly that it's about getting, you know, away from those four walls of the university. Um, and I, when I think of being a connected educator, like the word that comes to mind is networking. And Mm -hmm. I definitely do a lot of my networking online, whether it's through Twitter, the podcast, emails, whatever it is. Um, but that's not to say that you also can't network in the schools that you're being placed at, or if you go volunteering. Um, and I think it's so important. Yeah. yeah, To make those connections with the people that you Yeah, absolutely. Like you're saying this and I'm like, I do not take enough. um, I don't take advantage enough of my local networks. Do you feel Mm -hmm. that way? I feel like when I think of being a connected educator, you're always like out outsourcing or outreaching for somewhere that's not where you currently are. Yeah. Like I have met so many teachers and educators from, you know, far away, uh, or even just in Ontario, but that I, you know, that I've met through Twitter. And I think it's important to also meet people that are in, like you said, that are local to you. And I, when I'm in practicum, I try and make it a point to talk to other teachers that, that are in the school and make connections that way. Because I feel like you said, I do most of my networking online on Twitter and I forget that, you know, I need to do this in person too. Um, yeah. because you just, you don't have that same feel when you're networking in person and you're meeting that person face to face. Mm-hmm. Um, and Chris Clough and Ramona and Steven and Brad were just talking about this earlier on this morning about um, kind of that question of if there are, there are really amazing teachers out there and educators mm-hmm. that necessarily aren't on Twitter, right? Yeah. Um, and I feel like I need to, to reflect more on that because for me, it's like, oh, well, if you're not on Twitter, like we might not connect because that's where <laughs> I do most of my networking and I don't do enough outreach for people, like I said, in my community at the school that I do placement at, or even like professors at my university, like they could be really, really helpful. But I don't know. I just like, I'm instead I'm reaching out to Helen DeWard, who's out in Aurelia instead of my own professors at the at the university. I yeah. almost wonder why I feel that way. Like, why am I doing this? Is it because that they're on a space like social media, like Twitter, where I feel as though they're more open to connecting with other educators than my own professors, maybe? I don't know. Do you feel that way? I, I definitely feel like I've been so engulfed in the Twitter world that I, I associate networking with Twitter only and anything online. And it's funny that like we're talking about this because we're such like Twitter buffs and we're all about like the technology mm-hmm. community. But it's true. I, I don't talk to my professors that much and I probably should um, because we see them almost every day. Um, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's just taking the time to step away from Twitter once in a while. Like I'm not trying to knock it down completely because I think it's such an amazing tool and it's helped me so much. Um, but at the same time, it's important to go out and meet people and attend different events, uh, especially by the university. That's a huge one that we should definitely be doing. Yeah. You can be a connected educator by going to workshops or going to talks or, um, whatever it may be volunteering in your community. I think that the lens that I took when I was thinking about being a connected educator, it was like, okay, you're connected because you're active on Twitter. You have a podcast, you might have a blog. Um, you're really in the know of what's going on in the Twitter edu community. And I think we're starting to break down that that's not necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so it's just, it's all about getting out. It's a healthy balance of, 
you know, the online connection and the Twitter connection, and then also like the in-person connection, which is really hard because you end up, I find like for myself, I give more of my time to one than the other. Um, mm-hmm. and it's finding that balance. Yeah. And obviously it's easier to do it online, um, because you, you do it all from home, but I think it's equally as important to get out there too. Yeah. And we're talking about making connections. One thing that I wanted to kind of reference was, um, Itzy put out an, um, kind of like a document that explains what is a connected educator. And this is what I was kind of getting inspired from. So they have six criteria that they put out and we can possibly break these down if we, if we want to go there. Um, So for them, being a connected educator is, first of all, dedicating time for networking, which is something that we already mentioned. It could be online. It could be in person. We agree on that one. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Participating in ed chats, which this could be Twitter chats. This could be an on-end mentors chat. It could be this morning there was a pre-service lit um, Twitter chat. I think that this is important if you want to really expand your network of educators and speak with maybe um, some people that you wouldn't necessarily be able to connect with if it weren't for these types of ed chats. So like this morning um, in the pre-service, it was like tons of people from the United States, like Ohio and Indiana and people that I probably would never have found if it wasn't Mm -hmm. for a chat like that. Do you, any chats that come to mind? Like, I know that there's tons. I'm just pulling a a blank right now. Um, I had done a chat a while ago with, uh, Chio, C-H-E-O, and it was all about, uh, like the importance of mental health uh, and our students. And I, I just think those, those online chats are so great because not only do you learn so much, but like you, again, like you said, you connect with people that you may have never spoken to. Um, and this organization is in Ottawa, which was nice because it felt close to home. But again, it's just mm-hmm. those, those ed chats are so interesting and I had no idea they existed until I finally got on Twitter. And I think it's such a great thing to be a part of not only to meet people, but to learn things too. It's a great learning tool. Yeah. And the one that I was thinking of that just came to mind was the on-ed um, SS chat. And I know that Maddie Prinzen is um, with the digital human library um, does all that fun stuff. So, um, shout out to her. Uh, what was the next? So the third criteria for being a connected educator was joining a network and creating a PLN. So I don't know if you want to kind of talk about your PLN and, uh, maybe explain how your PLN has offered you some really cool opportunities as a teacher candidate. Yeah. I I remember when I first, I was seeing PLN everywhere and I was like, what is that? I was like Googling, like, what is the PLN abbreviation? Um, and it just like through Twitter, I ended up meeting you and being part of, you know, the voice ed community, um, which has brought me to doing all these things that I was so against like podcasts. And I wanted to be so away from the online stuff. And, you know, then I started a podcast and a website, um, and all these cool things. And then, you know, there's, like PLNs that I have, um, that are like strictly just teachers. And that's cool too, because you get to learn from, from people that have done it for so many years, um, and that are in the field that you're slowly going into. And I think it's important to have, um, like this network of people, not only to learn from, but just to have support from, like, if you're having a really bad day or, and like, you just want to get some insight on what you could do, whether it's in or out of the classroom, having that support network is so amazing. 
Yeah. And one thing um, I'm going to quote Derek Ronizer, who on the two weeks ago um, on Ed Mentors, we were talking about getting a job. And he said that during an interview, if a pre-service teacher or, you know, a teacher going in for a job at his school said that, you know, if you hire me, you also hire my, you know, 1500 members of my PLN on Twitter as well. Um, He said that that would be really powerful. And that has always stuck with me because I think that, you know, I, I visualize that mm-hmm. as you sitting in, you know, that office in that interview, and you're saying that I might be sitting here with you right now, but there are 1500 other people who are like, you know, in like faded behind me, supporting me that can give me resources that I network with, that I know that can help me, that can make me be and grow as a better teacher. Um, if you hire me kind of thing, um, And that just, and that also goes to show that like you're involved and that you're dedicated and that, you know, you have a place in this world of education and that you look for chances and opportunities to, um, get connected and learn and, and grow. Like I was saying, so, um, I, I just, I thank Derek for that because that was a really powerful, powerful thing that he said. And it's such a powerful image to visualize too. Like I'm just kind of visualizing it now. It's such a good artwork Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Are you good at art? Can you draw that for me? I wish I could draw better. And like, I'm like visualizing it. I would love to draw that. (laughs) Okay. Cause I don't think, I don't know. We'll, uh, we'll talk about that. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So criteria number four was to attend conferences and ed camps. And I just want to quickly say that attending Google summits and other summits that aren't um, sponsored by Google have literally changed my philosophy of education in May, 2016, before I started my, um, B ed in September, I attended my first Google summit in Montreal. And before even going in to my first day of my B ed in Ottawa, I had already completely, um, been immersed in that I want to say the ed tech world, but it's so much more than that because you're also um, in person, like we were saying, meeting those educators who are so open to like sharing with you and saying, oh, like, I'm so excited that you're going to teaching. Like if you ever need anything, you know, here's my number, here's my Twitter account. So, um, and you, you, you leave these ed camps or, or conferences with so many resources and you're so ignited and you're just like ready to face the world. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love about it. I wish I attended more of these. Actually, I wish I attended one of them because I have to say I've never attended a conference or an ed camp. Um, but that is on my to-do list because I am dying to go to one and just meet people, network, get resources. I think that's a must and I don't know why I haven't done it yet, but that's my goal like probably this summer or sometime coming up now that I have the time to do it. Mm-hmm. As a pre-service, pre-service, as a pre-service teacher, um, <laughs> they can be super expensive. And for me, what I've done is like, I will submit a workshop and, you know, get like my fees reduced or get a free entry to the the conference if I, you know, get accepted for my workshop. But mm-hmm. the best thing about these ed camps or conferences is that you're there with other educators who are just as passionate about you. It's like, think about 
having 200 educators who are just devoted to this profession all in one room and who are just excited, just as excited as you are about like the world of EDU. It's, it's so powerful. And it like motivates you, like, and it like encourages you and like, I'm doing the right thing. Like I'm with all these people in the path. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, so number five, sharing your ideas. That's what ITC says is the fifth criteria to being a connected educator. Do you want to break that one down? This actually, I was having a conversation about this the other day in that, uh, like when you become an educator or a teacher, it is so important to share your ideas with other educators. And I feel like we're kind of growing up in a time where everyone is so competitive. And, you know, if you create something, you become so defensive and protective over it. And, oh, I, mm-hmm. I did this. No one else can have it. Um, but you're in a field where it's hard if you're not sharing your your stuff with other people and your ideas and your resources. Like I, my associate teacher... I went in last week and she said, whatever you need, photocopy it, send it to yourself. Like I'm sharing all of, all of my resources and creations with you. And it was such a nice moment because I feel like there's, we're in a time where if you create something, it's yours and no one else can have it because you know, you're copying people. And I just think in the field that we're in, sharing your ideas is so powerful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I just want to kind of, um, not change the topic, but mm-hmm. I just got a message from Derek Renizer, who I'm assuming is listening right now because <laughs> he <laughs> has some things to chime in on. So Derek says that he doesn't think online networking takes away from in-person connections, which I agree. He says mm-hmm. that I think they feed, um, they feed each other. So the ideas and info I get online feed my in-person conversations. And then he asks, do you think your colleagues who are on Twitter have better in-person connections than you? I bet not. <laughs> <laughs> and also like, I, just because he said that I'm thinking, you know, like whoever you meet online doesn't stop you from meeting them in person as well too. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like, I totally agree. And, um, yeah. what he's saying there is, is that feeding from, you know, conversations that I might have, you know, on a podcast or on a Twitter chat or just mm-hmm. in a DM with somebody can definitely help me when I'm speaking to somebody else in person, because I'm Absolutely. already making all these connections on my, you know, and I always want to say that it's like on our own personal time, like we're choosing to, be connected and to have and do all this personalized, um, PD on our own time. Like we're not getting paid for this. This is not counting towards any hours for our bed. Um, it's really, um, la motivation intrinsèque. See, I'm going to go off yeah. there, but I don't know how to <laughs> translate that one into English and I would have butchered it. So, um, <laughs> you know, that motivation is coming from inside, right? Yeah. So I think it's really cool. And I think Derek for sending that out because, um, I, I definitely agree that, um, our, our net online networking is really enhancing those conversations that we may be having online or in person. Um, absolutely. And so when, like yeah, stuff ahead. that I've learned online and stuff that I've gained from my PLN, I've definitely used it in conversations that I've had in real life with like teachers, educators, people in my class. Um, it's oh, in class all so the time. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, you know, a little impressed. That, like I, I talk about these things, Like, <laughs> yeah, it's my PLN. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think it's, I, okay. I want to go somewhere quickly after, but I'll just say the six yeah. criteria from ITSEA about connected educators and then I'll go there. So, um, 
very quickly, they say that to be a connected educator, we should be asking other connected educators for help. And this is something that we have already kind of mm-hmm. touched base on. Um, but that's kind of the beauty of a PLN. I know that so-and-so is really cool, uh, really good in virtual reality. So I'm definitely going to go to them when I want to try that in my classroom. If I want to try green screen, I know that so-and-so does green screen in their classroom all the time. So I go and talk to them. Like, talk about personalized professional development, right? Yeah. And it kind of goes back to what I'm saying. Like we're, we're in a field where we should be helping each other and cooperating with each other. So it makes sense to ask your connections and your connected educator for help because that's, that's just what we do. Mm-hmm. 100%. And so what I wanted to kind of ask really quickly, we only have eight minutes left in this half an hour show that goes by so fast. Too fast. Um, I know. So what do you think, or how do you think we can get as two teacher candidates? How do you think we can get more of our colleagues to see the importance of being a connected educator? Like if we haven't made it obvious enough in our (laughs) own growth and our own, you know, mindsets and all the things that we have to show like a podcast and a blog and our followers and everything that we tweet, like our Twitter is almost like a CV. It's like a portfolio. It's like, look at everything that I do on a daily basis. Like you, you can't show that anywhere else, but on Twitter. So that's my question. Like how can we bring them in? I have been trying to do this. I've been like trying to promote, you know, the the networking and and the the Twitter world and all of the things that I do. And I, I tell them how much, like how far I've come with it and all the people that I've met and who I've networked with and where it's brought me and the things that I really, like when I had first started in this program, I never thought I'd be doing half the things that I'm doing now. And it's so great. So, you know, in class and with my friends and other teachers who are not, you know, in this world, I definitely try and promote it. Um, I talk about the things that, that it's brought me and how far I've come with it. And hopefully that's kind of like a little motivation or inclination to get into it. Um, but I, I definitely always try and promote it because I think it's, it's so great. Mm -hmm. And like, as you're saying that I, I'm just trying to think about how we can bring them in, but at a certain point we can only, offer them and really open the doors to them so much. And and we can mentor them if they want to, you know, hop on Twitter and start tweeting and we can suggest, you know, people to follow and people to connect with. Mm -hmm. Um, But it really does have to come from inside. Like, I think that you really need to, you, you need to want to become a connected educator and you want to grow and you want to learn. And so we can't, force them to, you know, join a Twitter chat for their own professional development. Again, that has to come, um, more from inside. And I think that there are pros and cons of being, like we said, a a connected educator. And I kind of, I sketched that out in one of the sketch notes that I did for world sketch note day in the balanced life of a teacher candidate. Um, because, you know, if you're too connected, I think there is a kind of a sense of being too connected on Twitter. That's when you kind of shun the outside world and you're only looking into your phone for, Mm -hmm. you know, signs of life. And it's like, that's a little overconnected. And sometimes I feel like I'm a little overconnected and I need to disconnect sometimes because I feel you, you know, the sun goes up and the sun comes down and it's like, I've only looked at my, I've only looked at Twitter like 1800 times (laughs) that day. So there is the other side of like the spectrum when you mm-hmm. can be too connected and in the 
sketch note that I did. Um, as a teacher candidate, we have so many things to like worry about, you know, like we have to work and have a social life and, you know, we have relationships and a family and, you know, and get good grades and our B.Ed. Yeah. 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 So I think that social media and networking and that professional development is just like another level of mm-hmm. like things to do and things to worry about. And not everybody is there yet. And you know, like you said, you can't force others to want to do it. And I, I definitely know people who are very against it. And, you know, that's that's their opinion. That's their belief. And that's totally fine. Um, but, yeah, I just I, I still think it's a it's and it's hard to manage, too. That's for sure. Like you're saying, mm-hmm. like you have all these kind of things going on as a teacher candidate. Um, and it's an addition to whatever else you have going on. Um, but it's all about management. Yeah. And when I was saying, you know, they might not be there yet, it doesn't mean that one day they'll see the light, they'll see the, they'll come <laughs> from the dark side and onto the, the Twitter EDU side. No, um, but yeah, they, they can grow. And it's, it's, it's a fact that when they're ready, that we're there to, to help them. And like I was saying, mentor them. So um, I think that that kind of wraps up our being a connected educator show. I don't know if there's um, anything you want to add. Uh, I just want to quickly mention that, uh, you know, if you are totally against the online world, I get it because I was, I was there too. I didn't want to be anywhere online. Um, but once you, I'd, I'd say it's worth it to try it out. And if once you try it out, you're really against it, that's totally fine. Um, but I think you'll, you'll end up really loving it. I mean, I didn't want to be anywhere near, uh, like Twitter or I have a website because I was like, oh, it's it's not good to be too online. But you know what? I met so many great people and I'm doing so many fun things. So I think it's worth just to give it a shot. Yeah. See, I was going to ask you, like, why were you so against being online? I just, I had, I never idea. seen it that way. I, I've never felt like that. Yeah. I had this idea that if we're too online, it, it looks bad. That was kind of like my belief. Um, but then I started getting into the whole digital hub and online portfolio and the podcast. And I ended up really loving it. And I love writing. So writing blogs has been like an amazing opportunity for me. Um, Mm -hmm. so although I was against it, I decided to do it anyways, because I'm like, well, there's a lot of people doing it. A lot of teachers. Why not give it a shot? And it ended up being totally worth it. Yeah. And you didn't just like jump in full fledged. You can kind of like dip your toe on the water and explore a little bit. And you can just like have a Twitter account and, you know, maybe like lurk a little bit and just go and look at tweets. You don't have to necessarily just jump right in and get a podcast and participate in every ed chat that's going on and go to all the ed camps. Like, exactly. I think that like a slow transition could be really healthy. Um, and slowly too, like as you build your PLN, um, you're not going to build a PLN overnight. Impossible. Um, absolutely not. But the more active you are and the more that you reach out to those educators and the more that you do participate, I think that that's when you can start seeing some growth, um, on your, on your Twitter, Twitter feed, but also growth, um, in yourself, right? Like Mm -hmm. I can already, I could document how much I've grown and I I should have documented because looking back at where I was, in my first, you know, Google summit ed camp back in May, 2016, like it's day and night. It, it really yeah. is. So mm-hmm. with that being said, um, I think that's the end. <laughs> we had lots of fun. Thanks so much for listening Thank and you. Uh, happy one year voice set anniversary. 
Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Kesara Sara with me, Sarah Ann Lalone. You can stay connected with me on Twitter at Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, Lalonde, L-A-L-O-N-D-E-E. And you can also find my podcast on iTunes under Kesara Sara.